nasty uh, demonic attack um, to some encounter that he'd actually had. And he detailed what had actually happened to him, but I'm not going to detail that tonight because I'm conscious of little ears that are also listening here tonight as well. But sufficient to say that this particular encounter this bloke had shook him up. Um, now this guy's background, just to give a little bit of background as, as to where all this came from, um, he'd been heavily involved in martial arts. Um, and I'm not saying that necessarily every martial arts uh, has these issues, but um, he'd been heavily involved in martial arts, including the spiritual side of things with its meditations and, and, and the chants, etc., that went on. And I just want to say to us all tonight, just be aware, be aware of these kinds of things that, that, uh, that uh, some of them can uh, have and do have ties to occult in one way or another. So you just need to be a little bit discerning about the sort of martial arts that you may or may not be involved in. But wonderfully, wonderfully, this, this friend of mine also found himself being drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ through uh, the witness of a number of, of Christian friends that he actually had. Uh, but he said to me the next day that during this particular frightening encounter that he had, all he could think of, all he could think of at that time was to say the Lord's Prayer. That's the only prayer he knew. And he just felt prompted. And I just like to think that it was the Holy Spirit who just prompted him to say what he knew he could say. And he said that in faith. And as he said this, as he began to say the Lord's Prayer, this episode left him and he was left in peace. And uh, this particular guy um, was obviously exploring the things of Christ. And he was, he was getting to that place where he was surrendering his life to Christ. He either did it right there and then on that night, or it was not long after. He gave his life over to Jesus completely. And uh, I spoke to him some time ago now, uh, and I've lost touch with him, obviously. But he was really powering on for Jesus uh, the last time I actually spoke to this guy. But it's interesting could I just take a little aside here for a minute in reference to putting on the full armour of God? Can you see what happened here with this guy? Unbeknownst to him at that time, as he spoke the Lord's Prayer, God's Word, he really did take up the sword of the Spirit. He was starting to endow himself with the, with the full armour of God. And I just think it's great for us to realise again the authority and the power that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Um, just something to keep aware of. Ephesians 6 speaks about putting on the full armour of God. And unbeknownst to this guy, he was doing that. Well, over the next um, five or six weeks, uh, we want to work through a series called the Alpha Prayer Course. Um, this course centres around what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And interestingly, uh, and by the way, this, the Lord's Prayer is prayed regularly by by more than a third of the world's population, according to the leader's guide. Isn't that incredible? Prayed regularly by more than a third of the world's population. And so next to the 23rd Psalm, this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, is uh, one of the best known, and I would say best loved by so many people. And my QIS friend proved that as well. <laughs> So I just, want to show, I just want to sort of explain to you the basics of how, what this course will actually cover, then talk about how you access it and so on. So the basics that are covered by this course are six things. These are the six things. You can actually find these out for yourself later on or check them out. But the first one is this, purpose in prayer, adoration. That's what we're doing tonight. Secondly, power in prayer, petition. 
Thirdly, so the third week, prevailing in prayer, intercession. Uh, fourthly, perseverance in prayer, dealing with disappointments. Fifthly, perspective in prayer, learning to listen. And again, interestingly, partner, partnership in prayer, speaking about spiritual warfare. So each of these topics, as we, as we delve into the Lord's Prayer, will be covered by a message that we'll hear each Sunday, apart from Compassion Sunday, which is next Sunday. But there are DVD presentations of each of these sessions, plus a leader's guide and, and, and other session guides. We call them cheat sheets. They're actually out there. Um, and they're all downloadable from the Alpha Prayer Course website. So hopefully that information is getting out there now. Uh, www.prayercourse.org, that's the thing. If you just Google Alpha Prayer Course, it comes up. Um, and uh, we just want to encourage you as a church to, to be involved in that in your life groups if you can. Um, there are also uh, USB sticks available too with all of the information, with all the resources that you need. They're available in the church office uh, for life group leaders and others if you really want to take them. We haven't got a huge amount, but if you want one, we can give them to you. So that's the resources that are available. It's out there, it's, it's completely accessible, and it's worth doing. Encourage you to either do it as couples or as life groups or even individually, you can do this and follow us for the next you know, five or six weeks. So firstly, um, let, me, let me lead you in a suggested prayer um, as we commence this series and this particular course. I love this prayer. And uh, let me just lead us in this prayer tonight. It goes like this. Lord, I often talk more about you than to you. And I'm sorry. I pray for my own prayer life to grow. I pray for prayers to be answered through this course. I pray for complacency to be replaced by expectancy and disappointment by fresh faith. I pray for those who assume that prayer is not their thing to be quietly hijacked by your Holy Spirit over the next few weeks. Lord, we long for more of your presence, more of your perspective and more of your power in our lives. Lord, would you teach us to pray? In Jesus' name, amen. I love that prayer. Make it your own prayer tonight. So tonight, we're looking at the first topic, uh, using the Lord's Prayer, and as I said before, the purpose in prayer, or speaking about adoration tonight. Let's have a look at God's Word here, the scriptures that were read to us just before. Matthew 6, 9, uh, Matthew 6 verses 7 and 9 goes like this. And when you pray, I, I noticed that, by the way, it's when you pray. <laughs> it's not if you pray, it's when you pray, just wanted to put that in there. Good to look at God's word thoroughly. And when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So firstly, um, this prayer was given by the Lord, uh, or the Lord Jesus, as a model prayer for what authentic Christian prayer is like, in contrast to the babblings 
or as other versions would say, the vain or meaningless repetitions of pagans. So Jesus is saying to his disciples who said, teach us to pray in Luke, he's saying, this is how you pray. This is authentic prayer. This is how you do it. Not the babblings and the hypocrisy that you've seen. This is how you pray. And so it's a model prayer that Jesus gives his disciples. But I want you to hear this tonight too. This is important. It's not just a model prayer. It can be, as you've heard tonight from that little illustration I gave you, um, it can and it is also used by more than a third of the world's population. It's a prayer that you can pray as a prayer. And I think Luke brings that out in how Jesus, how Luke records Jesus saying this. Listen to this. In Luke 11, 1 and 2 goes like this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So he's basically saying, when you pray, say these things. So in, in many ways, you can actually, again then, use the prayer as a, as a model prayer and how we base our prayers. But as my friend also discovered, and as perhaps others obviously have as well, it can actually be a real prayer from your own heart. And, and here's the key. This is important also to understand. The thing to remember when we use the Lord's Prayer like this, and perhaps this is conditional, as long as you engage the Lord Jesus, um, as you pray the Lord's Prayer, you engage him with all your heart and with all your mind. Otherwise, otherwise, the Lord's Prayer is in danger of becoming meaningless repetition. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can be like parrot fashion and there are some people who do that their mind's somewhere else their heart's somewhere else but their mouth's doing this saying the words but they don't even realize they've said it it's it's like a parrot and and that's really what jesus was denouncing before this meaningless or this vain repetition didn't mean anything to him so we've got to be careful that when we pray the lord's prayer if you do it often that we do it with all our heart, with all our mind. We engage the Lord Jesus. Pray in the spirit, the Bible tells us. That's what it's all about. Then he hears us and he engages with us. So Jesus begins by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's interesting just to see this right here, that, you know, that when Jesus first referred to God as our Father, to the Jews, it was pretty radical for them. It was, it was exceptional for them. Um, it was even a bit over-familial to address such a, a transcendent and fearful God in those terms. They preferred and felt compelled to use the exalted titles of God such as Sovereign Lord and king of the universe, the most high God and the like. And, and of course, God is all of these things. But Jesus wanted his disciples to see that God was also Father. More than that, he is, he was and he is our Father. That he is relational. He is 
knowable. And he wants to be known. And just as a child would normally, um, would normally know his or, her, his or her own earthly father and call him daddy or Abba, and that's the Aramaic word used by children to address their father, that term. And that's the term, that beautiful intimacy term, that intimate term that, that Jesus himself used to address his father, Abba. And we see Jesus using that to address his father in, Luke, in, in Mark, sorry, chapter 14, verse 36, when he was in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. Abba, Father, he cried out. And he said something, words like, if, there, if it's be possible, let this cup pass from me. Abba, Father, he addressed him. And Paul brings out this same truth uh, when he says to the Roman believers in Romans 8, chapter 15, uh, Romans 8, yeah, verse 15, he says this, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It's this lovely, personal, relational term of Daddy, I know you and I know you know me. It's that intimacy, it's that kind of relational experience that Jesus would have us have and again Paul uses again similar in, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6 if you wanted to take that note down but I want you to also notice here notice too that the pronouns that Jesus is using are in the plural they're not in the singular he says our father and not just my father and he teaches us to address God in the same manner as Jesus does. For in Christ we are. Uh, we are all part of God's worldwide family. He is our Father collectively. And we are his children through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. How amazing. Don't you think that is? What an amazing relationship that God has entered into through Christ. What an amazing relationship. Do you know what I mean tonight? Do you, do you know what I mean? Personally, in your own heart, do you know what I mean? And you see, it's out of this relationship comes our adoration of our Heavenly Father. Something happens to your heart when you accept Christ. The Spirit of God comes in. And we have this longing, this desire to adore God. More about that in a minute. After Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, speaking about our Father and how he wants us to be inclusive in that, he says to Mary in these magnificent words from John 20 and verse 17, Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Listen to how he says this. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. And to my God and your God. This incredible relationship that we have through what Jesus Christ did for us. All this, all this was made possible because of the cross. Jesus and Jesus alone opened the way to an intimacy with God that otherwise would never have been possible. He opened the way to have an intimate relationship with God. 
as a loving heavenly father to his children who are redeemed, who have been forgiven and therefore brought so near to God. <laughs> he is our father. And as Jesus continued to, to say and to teach his disciples through this prayer, he is our father who is in heaven, who is in heaven. He's in heaven not because he's confined there. For God is infinite. He is omnipresent. He can be everywhere, anywhere at the same time. There is nothing that stops him from being everywhere. He is the infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent God. But he is our Father who is in heaven. And it's heaven is where his glory and his majesty is most manifested. If we saw the glory of God on this earth, uh, well, we'd die. You would not handle it. But it's in heaven where his glory and his majesty is the most manifested. Isaiah captured something of that when he said in Isaiah 66 verse 1, this is what the Lord says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. <laughs> Our Father who is in heaven, just as Jesus taught us to pray, also helps us to gain a perspective of his absolute sovereignty, of God's absolute power and dominion over the dealings of this world, of the universe, that our Father that is, who is in heaven, he is actively, not passively, he's actively directing all things, including the undertakings of, of the whole of humanity, of governments from his mighty throne. Aren't we glad that God is on the throne today? Aren't we glad that he's the God who is on the throne as we look at what's happening in America with the coming elections? We need to be praying still that God will have his way. Aren't we glad that God is on the throne as this plebiscite nonsense is talked about and whether or not it's going to happen or happen, I don't even know where it is now, whether they've blocked it, whether it's going to take place. There's all these kinds of things happening about gay marriage and so on and so forth. Aren't we glad that our Heavenly Father is in heaven on the throne ruling in absolute sovereignty, in absolute power? I love how Jehoshaphat captured something of that in his prayer second chronicles 20 verses 5 and 6 fantastic passage of scripture then jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of judah and jerusalem at the temple of the lord in front of the new courtyard and said lord the god of our ancestors are you not the god who is in heaven you rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. That's a powerful prayer. When did you last pray a prayer like that? And we need to be bold in our praying. Pray what the scripture says. This is who God is. This is who our Father in heaven is. And so may awe and wonder just fill our hearts as we ponder these magnificent truths regarding our Father, your Father, my Father, our Heavenly Father, who is in heaven.
Praise God. And then Jesus continues by teaching us in this prayer, saying, hallowed be your name. It's an unusual word. We don't hear that much these days, do we? Hallowed be your name. So the word hallowed means to treat as holy or holy in reverence. He's holy. I love the scene in Revelation. Revelation 4.8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and, and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. He's holy. Hallowed be your name. It's a holy name. And then in Revelation 15, 4, these are these words. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring you glory, bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. That's why we can pray. That's why we need to pray. Hallowed be your name. Your name is awesome, Lord. Your name is holy. Your name is to be feared, revered by us, our Father who is in heaven. And it's how Jesus calls you and me to meet God in prayer as we lift up his holy name in worship and in adoration and praise. I like what uh, Bible commentator Albert Barnes says about this. He says, God's name is essentially holy. And the meaning of this petition, let your name be celebrated. Of this petition is this, let your name be celebrated, venerated and esteemed as holy everywhere. And receive from all people proper honour. It is thus the expression of a wish or desire on the part of the worshipper that the name of God or that God himself should be held everywhere in proper adoration. Isn't it true? Is that the desire you have tonight? His name is holy, for holy is his name. He alone is worthy of our adoration, of our praise, of our worship. He alone, our Father, who is in heaven. It's also, when we look at what the psalmist says, for example, in Psalm 34 and verse 3, listen to how he talks about our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Psalm Psalm 34 verse 3 says, O magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. That's Psalm 34 verse 3. Look at Psalm 66 and verse 2. Sing the glory of his name and make his praise glorious. Incredible words, aren't they? I don't know. Maybe this has never been a puzzle to you, but it's been a puzzle to me. And that is, how do we really magnify the Lord? How do we really make his praise glorious? How do we do that? How can we as mere imperfect human beings 
magnify or add anything to an already perfect, magnificent and all-sufficient God. How can we as mere finite beings make his praise glorious? How on earth can we make anything for God? And of course, the simple answer is that we can't. And nor does the scripture mean that. But it does mean that as a child of God who knows something of the price that Christ paid for us when he shed his precious blood on the cross to redeem us to himself, that in response, that in response to what Jesus has done for us comes our deep desire, and it ought to be our deep desire to offer to the Lord in thankfulness our worship, our love, our adoration. That we long to lift up his name, that we long to magnify the Lord and to make his praise glorious in that the whole world, beginning with right where you happen to be, may know this one who saves us, who saves us out of our wretched, empty and condemned way of life. That's what I think it means to magnify the Lord and to make his praise glorious. Hallowed be your name. And again, I just got to ask you tonight, do you know this one personally tonight? Do you know the life-transforming power of Jesus in your own heart tonight? Do you, can you call him our Father? Is his name in your heart or is it still just in your head? Where is Jesus in your life tonight? Where is he with you? Do you understand by personal experience this Holy Spirit given desire that we've looked at tonight? Dr. Arthur Pink, he says this, Hallowed be your name signifies the holy desire that God's matchless name might be reverenced, adored and glorified. And that God might cause it to be held in the utmost respect and honour. That its fame might spread abroad and be magnified. For us to hallow or sanctify his name means that we give God the supreme place. That we set him above all else in our thought, affections and in our lives. I think we've just scratched the surface, don't you, tonight with this? We've had a look briefly at this topic of adoration of God. And, but, but as we close, I, wa- I want us to consider this question. Perhaps, it, perhaps it, it comes a little bit of a twist to what we've talked about tonight in the context of, of really adoring God. What does that mean? I want to ask you this. Did you know that God adores you? Did you know that? Think about that for a minute. Do you know that God adores you? You see, the more that you understand and ponder this fact, the more that you will adore him in response to trying to fathom this incredible love that God has for us. 
the more you realize and understand who you really are and how good God loves someone like me and he does the more we stand in awe of him and say God you're amazing I do worship you I adore you and he says well I adore you more that's the sort of God we have. That's the sort of God who enters into a relationship and wants to through Christ in all of our lives. I want to read you something that comes out of this prayer cheat sheet thing that you can download and, and have in your own, you know, as you, as you do this thing tonight. I want you to listen to this tonight. In Jewish culture, sitting at someone's feet meant that you wanted to learn more from them. It was the posture of a disciple. Mary wanted to be with Jesus because she looked up to him and knew that he loved her. After 20 years of hearing confession, one Catholic priest, I think this guy was truly full on for Christ. After 20 years of hearing confessions, one Catholic priest observed that the most common problem he'd encountered was God. Because so few Christians really believed that God loves and likes them. This is perhaps the hardest truth of any to grasp. Do we wake up every morning amazed that we are loved by God? Do we allow our day to be shaped by God's desire to relate to us? As we close, I, just, I want to give you some homework tonight. And this is all part of the course, by the way. But I want you to ponder two questions, not just tonight, but during the week. Two questions. First question. What do you find enjoyable about God's presence in your life? What do you find enjoyable about God's presence in your life I'd like you to journal I'd like you to, to to start writing stuff down as you start your day with the Lord thinking about a question like that what do you find enjoyable about God's presence second question what compels you to worship and adore the Lord in your life what compels you to worship and adore the Lord in your life. Are there particular moments that you have? Are there particular places, songs, people or events? But what compels you to worship and adore the Lord Jesus in your life? If you can remember those or jot them down and ponder those tonight and into this week, just let God's words kind of just wash over you and fill you. Chew over these things. It'll enrich your, your prayer life, it'll enrich your relationship with the Lord. It'll continue to do that transforming work in your heart. So there's some challenges for all of us tonight to do that. I'd like us to close by saying the Lord's Prayer tonight. Can we do that? Let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Actually, why don't we just get you to stand and the worship team can come out. And as they do, let's just close with this, the Lord's Prayer. Here we go. Our Father, who is in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Bless you, folks. Good night.